Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. I'm excited. We're talking, as you've heard, the values of Glory Church. And uh, if you are new to us, like this is a good week to sit in. Um, if you are are old to us, this is a good week to sit in. Um, I mean, we're not that old. So, uh, but some of you have been with us for now going on two years, which I'm pretty excited about. We are having our second birthday coming up soon. Um, yeah. And I, I'm really excited for that. But honestly, these, these values of Glory Church are the heartbeat behind everything we did. Everything we do, the reason Kate and I moved, all of that. So to give you like a perspective of this, I remember a little over three and a half years now, I stood with my wife, with Kate, and you know her. She doesn't like to meet new people very often. Like that's just a, but we stood like in a fishbowl in front of probably 25 other pastors who for a, a whole week, it was called a church planting assessment, for a whole week put our marriage, our family, our ministry, our experiences, our finances under a microscope. Like they walked around like and just watched how you interacted with people. Like to the point where the, the one negative that I got was that I needed to work on my humor I was like, wow, I feel like I'm a pretty funny guy, but they were like, everyone, all of our assessment leaders just said that you were just intense to everyone. And I was like, well, I'm not here to make friends. Like, <laughs> I, I'll smile more. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm here to get this, uh, to say green light. Uh, but it was, it was really good. But I remember uh, standing up and sharing for the first time the mission, vision, and values of Glory Church. And the six things that I presented were literally the six things that are still going on now, three and a half years ago. And I'll tell you, they were not worded from another church. They were not worded from another organization. We looked into us and said, if, if my family is going to lead a church, my family going to lead a church, not me, but my fa- if, we, if Kate and I are going to do this together, then it's going to be from us, like how God has shaped us. Uh, these are our heart. The, this is, and I believe they're like lined out in scripture. So this isn't just Greg's doing. This is, I have seen success in my marriage by these six values. I have seen success in my family by these six values being there. I've seen success in what I do, uh, my creativity. To, to some of you, you don't even know. Like I, I, I shock people sometimes by the random things that I know how to do. Uh, but I, I have success in it because of these values. Like honestly, it comes back to these things. And so I knew if we were going to plant a church, I want these to be the values. But the most important thing is what I want for my church are these values. Not like organization now, but my people, my family, you guys. What I want for your homes are these values. I mean, God has wrecked me and shaped me. And so these aren't just like things, but they are significant. In fact, I have just this principle. You hear it over and over and over. But when the ways of God are treated as significant, when the ways of God are treated as significant, then the resources of God are experienced. And the resources of God, that could be um, literal resources, but it could also be the joy that you've been lacking, the peace that you've been lacking, the victory that you've been lacking. Well, many of the times we don't treat the things of God as significant. And so the resources of God are limited in our life. And so these values are significant. 
they are found within church, like within church history, within the scriptures of like what, if I'm a believer, these are the six things that I do. This is my home life. This is my waking life. This is how I breathe. This is why I eat. This is why I go. This is why I love these six things. These are significant in my home. And I will tell you, like we have seen the resources of God show up again and again. Peace, hope, rest, joy, the things that you think are lacking, just reshape your mind. What is significant for me? What is significant? For me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? So we're going to make that claim. This is a series, Bring It Home. So the, it's, it's literally bringing the values of glory to the homes of glory. Does that sound good? Like, let's take the values of glory to the homes of glory. Like, let's take these values of glory to the homes of glory. And because, honestly, a city is changed by homes that are changed, right? Not a church, uh, not, a, not an organization meeting on Sundays to talk about God. No, it's when homes are daily radically changed, when children come to know that they are safe, when, when marriages come to see that they are held when, when a, a single mom comes to know that she has a community around her and she's not alone and her children know that there is a, there is a community, a family that not only supports mom, but empowers them. Like when homes are changed, the city is changing. So that's, I, I'm just excited for it. So our first one though, uh, what I want you to write on the doorpost of your home, literally, is this, I will live his truth. You will notice that like all of these values are pretty catchy. Um, the, the three words, live his truth. We will live his truth. I will live his truth. And I'll tell you, living his truth is a lot different than knowing his truth. Like living his truth is a lot different than knowing. In fact, have you ever heard the quote like, the truth will set you free? The truth will set you free? Well, that's a, a Jesus quote, and we'll get there. But a lot of the times, we don't have freedom in our life because uh, we know the truth but we're not living it. We learn the truth, we think the truth, but how we live is bondage at times. Like how I interact, how I react to things is not living in the truth. And so therefore, like I'm still not stepping into the freedom that was paid for already. I mean, this is where we stay a lot. So as a church, as a man, like I want my home, I want to live as truth. Maybe you've struggled to live it. Maybe you've struggled. Uh, I don't know. I wrote, maybe you don't feel free. That maybe it's because you're struggling with the key truth. That you're loved. That you have value. That you're not alone. That God sees you. Often when we struggle with a key truth, that limits our freedom. It's not that we don't have it. It's that we are literally choosing to be in bondage. And so it is, I, I live his truth. If you think about it, like, many of the times I may think the truth, but I live my plans. Anyone else? Like, I think the truth, but I still live my schedule. I think the truth, but I still live my wants. I think the truth, but I still, like, live the daily grind because the daily grind has to happen. And I, and I separate these things instead of living the truth in them. Like, and it's a very different thing because often as we do that, we begin to live our truth. And I think the world, like, whew, right? When the world says, fear this, when we live our truth for too much, we begin to fear this. When the world says, that's the enemy, when we begin to live our truth too much, we begin to say, that's the enemy. No, the enemy is not in flesh and blood, right? But principalities, uh, rulers in the spiritual world, like, that's the enemy. But when the world says, hey, this is important, 
When we don't live his truth, we begin to say, oh, I think this is a little bit more important. And constantly, we've got to watch this. When the world says, hey, this is what the win is. When the world clarifies the win, we have to watch that we don't clarify the win as they do. And so again and again, like I want to be a church that I live his truth. I don't, I'm not going to live my opinions. I'm going to live his truth. I'm not going to live my feelings. <laughs> I'm going to live his truth. I'm not going to live my fears. I'm going to live his truth. I'm not going to live my trust problems. I'm going to live his truth. And so this is shaping, but when we step into it, there is so much power. I mean, I, I want to be like Jesus, right? The way of Jesus is how I live his truth, that literally Jesus started everything, right? We said this. He, he occupied in God's power. Like, he, he, he was in it always. And I told you last week that power comes, right, when you start from love, when you walk through surrender and sacrifice, and it will always lead to new life. I mean, that's the way of Jesus. You want to live his truth, start with love, Make everything through sacrifice. Like, why, what can I sacrifice? Like, what are you calling me to surrender to you? This is what the way of Jesus. I am humble. He came meek. And then through that new life came. And so this is what I want. That's what I want. But I will, I'll be honest. Do you want to know the difference between a, a churchgoer and a follower of Jesus? Do you know there's a difference? Uh, do, you, do you want to know the difference, some differences between a churchgoer and a follower of Jesus? A churchgoer may sit. They're, they're good at listening. A churchgoer can smile. Churchgoer gets like when, when worship starts, you're supposed to stand because that's what you do, right? And then when they say sit, you sit, but don't sit on your own because that's awkward. A churchgoer knows these things. A churchgoer can, uh, can write down their notes. A churchgoer can soak it up if they need to. A churchgoer may even feel something if the moment feels right, especially with the dark room. But the follower of Jesus doesn't just listen. They soak it up and put it to action. They don't just hear the word, but they do it. The follower of Jesus, wherever they walk, they declare something that resides outside of them and in them and through them, and it will extend beyond them, right? You have this belief, this boldness, this confidence. There's a difference between a churchgoer and a follower of Jesus. There's a difference. And I don't want to have a church of churchgoers. Like, I don't. Like, that's the most dangerous thing because then like a ripple effect in the negative direction, you start teaching people how to be churchgoers. And I want to teach people how to be followers of Jesus, which means when the truth of God affects my life, it molds me, it shapes me, I am changed by it, it's uncomfortable. Churchgoers like to be comforted. Churchgoers want their coffee. They want their cream in it. Churchgoers want the good coffee because if it's a bad, if it's Folgers, I don't want it. Churchgoers want the, uh, the soft chairs. Churchgoers want the music that's their way. If it's not my way, then it's not for me. And churchgoers want those things, but a follower of Jesus says, if it's not what I want, that's fine. But I see that there's a place for me to engage with because the Holy Spirit, he is here. A follower of Jesus says, if it's not the way it should be, then I'm obviously here for a reason. Like a church, a follower of Jesus says, if there's something missing, it's because uh, this is my family and I'm a part of, I'm supposed to be here. And so there's a difference between a churchgoer and a follower of Jesus. Churchgoer may have moments where they're vulnerable, but a follower of Jesus will always, at the end of the day, say, God, I want to be vulnerable to your word. 
You say something, I'll do it. If it's hard, I'll do it. If I give what we've saved up for, for that important thing, I'll do it. Like that's, that's hard. That's real. You see, to live his truth is to actively say like, there's vulnerability. There's like, I don't want to, God, but because you say so, I will. That's a follower of Jesus. That's a follower of Jesus. And so Jesus says these words, right? If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. But not only that, the truth will make you free. If you continue in my word, what this means is like literally if you remain in my word, if you stay in my word, if you interact with my word, if you engage with my word, then you are my disciples. You will know the truth. This word know is, is like an experiential know. It's the word gnosko, if you want to have some fun with that. Um, it, it's like I, I don't just head know it, but like I've experienced it. Like he is real. I've continued in God's word and I've seen as the enemy has, has ran away at the sound of his voice. Like I have seen as, as truth has brought light and people have been changed. I've experienced, I know the truth. And that brings freedom. And that's what I want. Like, that image is so powerful. But if you're struggling with feeling free, then maybe it's because you haven't allowed your heart, you haven't allowed aspects of your heart to experience some truths. Some of you, like, we get it. Like, some of you, I can say something and uh, you won't even register it as true. Like, I mean, we see this a lot at the pantry, like when people will, will get really cold very fast because we just said something that probably hit a wound or a lie and they won't even register. The, but then you could be like, hey, I like your shoes. And they're like, oh, thanks. Hey, Jesus, he sees you as valuable. What? What'd you say? I like your shoes. Oh, th thank you. Yeah. Jesus sees you as valuable. Wait, what did you say? And they don't even, re because the Lord, he is an experiential God. But the enemy does not want us to experience the freedom that comes when we actually claim his truths. And so there, I, I don't just want to know his truth. I want to know it and live it. I want to know it and live it. So there's something like I know to be true, though, is that that's easier said than done. <laughs> so there's a principle that I want to get in. Um, and, and when we get into it, what I do want to let you know, of, I'm going to have fun with this series um, already I'm having a little fun. This is fun. Um, but I'm gonna have fun with this series because I'm gonna assign, like a professor, I'm gonna assign some homework, right? Because this is bringing it home. So the worst thing you could do, which, let's be honest, many of us, we do it. The worst thing you can do is take the word of God and leave it where you heard it, right? Like, the worst thing you can do is take the word of God and leave it in the place that you heard it. But the best thing you can do is take it home with you. And so I've got some homework today, and I will every single week. We're going to get really creative with this and have some fun. But I got some homework, so I'll, that was a little spoiler. I'll get to it later. Um, but here's a principle that will run your life, whether you're an old person, a young person, whether you're rich or poor, whether uh, you are a believer or not a believer. This principle, that how you live... If you want to live as truth, you're going to need to know this. How you live is the product, the summation, the adding of these three things. What you fill your mind with, what your desires focus on, and what you spend your time doing. Literally, how you will live is a summation. It's a product of these three things. What you fill your mind with, 
what your desires are focusing on, not if your desire is even bad, but what you're allowing that desire to focus on and what you spend your time doing that, those three things are the product. Like that, that is what makes how you live. Yeah, you can move around if you can't see it. You take that photo. I'm, I know I'm in the way. Those three things, and, and we're going to keep it up because i got to talk about these for a bit. Um, if I did a heart check, if you did a heart check, Maybe the reason that you've already been feeling purposeless, you're doing a lot of things, but maybe the reason that you've been feeling this loss of purpose or direction is because uh, when you add up these three things in your life, what you've been filling your mind with, let's be honest, that Netflix TV show, it might be taking a lot of time, but it's filling your mind with some dark things lately. Like, let's be honest, and it's filling your mind with some dark things, and you're wondering why you have had nightmares well, it might be that. You're wondering why your lust problem from the past has come back up. It might be that. What you fill your mind with is how you will live. And then your desires are focusing on you desire love, but if it's focused on a wrong way and not through the, the, the lens of his truth of what you've been saved into, then your life will feel the product of it. What I spend my time doing, some of you, like you're spending your time doing a lot of good things, but his truth has not been a part of it. And so you're living the product of all those things. And let's be honest, I feel strained. You feel tired. You feel worn out. You feel unseen. You feel hurt. You feel exhausted. It's because the product of all that you're doing is not living his truth. It's living yours. It's living your fears. It's living your struggles, instead of his truth. But what if I claimed like, no, my house, my house is set apart for the Lord. My house is set apart for the Lord. We will live his truth. If they don't, if the little kids don't, I will. We will live. If my wife isn't, I will. If my husband isn't, I will. Because I will live his truth, the product of what I fill my mind with, that what I, my desires are focused on, what I spend my time doing will be etched in his truth. I will surrender my mind to his truth. Like I will fill my mind with it. Some of you, you know way more about what is going on in this world, which is a good thing. Like, it's good to know. But you know way more about what is going on in this world than you know about what God's word says. Like, let's be, like, that's a good thing. Know what is going on. Like, some of us, we don't, and we need to so that we can pray, we can be informed, all this. But know God's word. What my desires focus on. You gotta, what if I, my desires focused on the Lord and he actually shaped them? The Lord actually wants to give us the desires of our heart, which is really cool. But often, like, the desires of our heart are pointed somewhere else, and they're not focused in his truth. When we focus them in his truth, you'll realize that the, your desires actually change. Like a, but in a powerful way, they become a, un, like, a, like an unfolded flower, right? Like, they become beautified. I don't know if that's a word, but it's a word. What I spend my time doing... And so as I approached this week, like, honestly, I did what I always do. Um, I, I listen and, uh, to the Lord. I try to. But I also read my uh, daily reading plan, which some of you are like, uh, what do you do, Greg? I do the weirdest thing. Are you ready? It's ever since college. Like, it's been, like, more than uh, 14 years now, 12 years. Like, I've been reading the Catholic daily reading plans. Am I Catholic? No. I grew up Baptist. 
But I don't know why. Like, I learned really early on that I lead so many things. Like, when I, got, when I was in high school, I was leading a small group. I was leading another small group. I was in a small group. And all of those things had reading plans. And I was, like, planning things for other people. I realized that my time with the Lord cannot be a part of that. So I just found this uh, Catholic daily reading. And there's four years. I mean, I've read, I mean, you do the math on that. I've read it three times all the way through. And it's just the same thing. Every four years, it just, there's a, you know, A, B, C, D. This is year D. Oh, that's a good one. Like, I know it now. But I read it. And I'm no joke. The Lord meets me in it every single morning. And so like normal, this week, Monday morning, I open it up, and it's 1 John 3 and 1 John 4. I was not prepared for how ready it would make me for this week, how ready it would make me for this, this morning. Um, it talks about claiming who I'm from. It talks about uh, knowing whose I am. It talks about this idea of, of, of living action-based truth. It talks about uh, not letting me, me listen to what will lead me elsewhere. It, ta- it talks about ha- being a, having a discerning heart to know where to step, all these things. And so I'm really excited to dive into it. In fact, I'm going to read it, and I'm going to give you just like my gut reactions because I'm going to do two things by doing this. One, I'm going to teach you, which is fun, but I'm also going to teach you how to, to, to teach yourself. Does that make sense? That's the best kind of thing. So I'm going to like teach you how to teach yourself. So I'm going to walk through this, and I'm literally going to tell you what my reactions were, what my study, how God, the Lord spoke to me. It's the best way for me to teach you how to read the Bible is to be able to be like, this is how I read the Bible. Does that make sense? So I'm excited because you can't live his truth if you don't know it. And so I, I, I'm excited to dive into this. And more importantly, if you guys follow us on Declare Glory throughout the week, uh, Monday through Friday, uh, if you don't, you should. Monday through Friday, uh, five of our Glory family members will be diving into these passages on their own. Like, it, wording it from their journey through it. And so I'm excited for that. Um, So remember that. Keep it going. This passage is so rich, but I'm going to let you know ahead of time uh, what your homework assignment is this week, okay? Um, Because if we're going to live his truth, I prayed through this. In fact, I prayed through it, uh, claimed it, and then the next day, someone in our church was like, hey, I just feel like um, we should do this and uh, I wanted to invite you and Kate to do it. And I was like, well, that's funny. I'm actually telling the whole church to do it next week anyways. And she was like, shut up. And she didn't say that, but I feel like she thought, shut up. And I was like, yeah, so we're doing this. And so uh, the homework assignment that I have for you is this um, word fasting. This word, mm, this word fasting. This word fasting. Um, I don't know if you know much about fasting, but I'm calling a church-wide fast for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week, five days. Now, listen, I will tell you it doesn't have to be food, but what I want you to fill it with is you will live by the product of what you fill your mind with, what your desires focus on, and what you spend your time doing. 
And so for some of you, you've been filling your mind with Google, and you need to fast for five days searching things. You need to fast for five days social media. You need to fast for five days that dating app. You need to fast for five days something that your desires have been focused, what you've spent your time doing. You need to fast for five days working out, because some of you already uh, have, it has become less about the Lord and more about you. And so it, Let's really get honest with ourselves. I want to live your truth, so I'm going to fast something so they can hear from you. Because yeah. fasting is literally saying, God, I want guidance. I want direction as a church. Like, I want us to have direction. Uh, we are a church, and not only that, in the inner city, we're a church that's only two years old, and we're a church, let's be honest, um, that in a pandemic still things are going on and people are, are still getting sick, that, that we still, we're not always in the same room at the same time. So it's hard to catch the heartbeat of our church sometimes. Yeah. Um, but fasting allows us to be like, hey, let's be united in this. Because I'm, I'm scared of raising $200,000. Like, that's a lot of money. I'm scared of what that in... in, in like what that means, because though that sounds easy for you um, to understand, you're like, oh, we only have a hundred, we only have, we only have ninety five thousand left to go, which is cool, right? Like we've raised a hundred and five thousand so far. That's pretty cool. Yeah, woo, that's cool. Um, but I don't know what that was. But the majority of that income came from people outside of Glory Church. So only about 30% of our church family have pledged yet. And so that scares me. Like, I want, I want to see some buy-in. I'm like, oh God, what are we going to do? Like, what is this? Um, and so, like, I'm just praying that the Lord leads um, because I don't want to do this alone, and I won't do it if it's alone because that means God's not in it. And so I'm just, I'm like, God, I trust you. Uh, already stories have been coming in of what God has done when people have given. Um, and so I, we're going to fast. We're going to fast. God, I want to hear from you. They, I want direction. I want clarity. I want guidance. And so this passage is really rich, all right? We're going to dive into it, and it's going to be quick because I wanted to tell you my raw relationship with this text this week. So it starts off in 1 John, and he says, little children, let us not love not, or let us love, not in word or in speech, but in truth and action. Let's live as truth, in other words. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and, and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, then we have boldness before God. Are you ready for this? If you um, want a good indicator whether you're living his truth or not, Look at your relationship with God. Is it bold? Look at your relationship with God. Is it bold? Boldness is a very good uh, idea. Do you love without boundaries? Like, do you, do you give generously? Do you continually say, God, lead me and I will go? Every action, every thought, every desire. Is it courageous? That word means. Is it outgoing? You want to see like a little heart check? Do you live his truth? Are you bold in your relationship with God? I thought of this. Um, <laughs> another way that this worded uh, is it's this idea of public, not just private. Uh, bold means public. I thought of, you remember in junior high when you're like dating someone, but you don't really know if you want to date them yet, but you already said it. 
And like, this is, I was a, I was a high school pastor and I just remember, and she's really into it or he's really into it and you're just not yet. And you don't know, but she wants to like hold your hand in public. And you're like, I don't know if I want to, because I also like Stacy over there. And if Stacy sees me holding your hand, she's not going to, but like texting, your texting game is a little too far. So privately you're engaging a lot, but publicly you're not. Do you get this? You treat God like that. You treat God like that. Do, do, do you publicly, boldly share your relationship with the Lord? I love this God. Yeah. He is mine. Yeah. He has shaped my life. Little children, that would mean boldness. You want to live his truth? Be bold in your relationship with him. Some of you, like your friends, don't even know how much God has done for you. You're, you don't talk about it too much. They know you go to church, but what, remember, churchgoer is a dangerous thing to be. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And so uh, there's a difference. There's a difference. And so he continues, uh, this boldness will lead into something. This frankness does something. He says, we, so we receive from God whatever we ask. Because we obey his commands, and we do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. For all who obey his commands abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, because we have the spirit that's given to us. In other words, a bold heart that is living in God's truth will inevitably start asking God boldly for some things some big things. Asking God for some God-sized things. Why? Now, I just want to be honest. Like, why? Is it because that person is selfish and they just want more? Are they just little children that want more and more and more? And it's like, God, that's not enough, so I need to ask it. Is that why? Like, why are these people asking for so many things? Like, why is that what boldness looks like? Because he literally just said they're bold, and so they ask and they receive. If you want to live his truth... Boldness will always lead you to ask God for God-sized things. Why? Is it because you're selfish? Is it? No. It's because you obey his commandments and you do what pleases him. Now, I just want to, some of you, you don't ask God for anything and you, you think that you're humble in it. You think you're humble in it. But if you actually obeyed his commandments, you would realize that you were called to make disciples of all nations. And let's be honest, we're all a hot mess. And I need to ask God to shape me. That's a big thing. I need to ask God to give me opportunities. I need to ask him for things. Uh, I need to ask God to show me what my spiritual gifts are. I need to ask God to break a stronghold in them. These are big things. Why? Is it because I want a lot? No, it's because I'm obeying his command that says, Greg, you're called to um, step on the foot or the face of the enemy. Like, ah, how do I do that? Ask him. Well, that seems selfish to ask God for things. No, it pleases God for you to operate in your authority. Ask him. We ask and receive because we obey. We ask and receive. And so you want to live his truth? Start asking for God-sized things. Ask him. And not like selfish things. Like, let's be honest. Come on. But God-sized things. 
God, I, I need this. I need you to show up because I realize I can't do it on my own. I want to obey your commandment to love my neighbor. My neighbors, whoo. So give me help to love them. I want to obey your commandments. I want to lead in generosity, but God, like, I don't want to. So, like, change me. Like, let's be, like, I don't want to do it. So shape me. I'm asking for you to help. We ask and we receive because we obey. Because we obey. And uh, I'll be honest, like, I am right here, if I can be real with you, when I was reading this, this is a statement, the sentence that I got stuck with. Um, I got stuck with. I mean, it says, like, uh, we receive from him whatever we ask. I got stuck with it because I've been praying and asking God for things lately. Uh, there's been some hardships happening with my children. Uh, some of them have been really struggling with some lies, and it's been a lot, and sleepless nights, and it's been very spiritual, and I've asked, like, God, will you, will you fix it? Like, will you shape this? And these are not things that are outside of his heartbeat. Like, sleep is in his heartbeat. Like, so, God, I'm asking for these things. Why aren't you doing them? That's how I feel sometimes. Anyone else? Like, I'm, God, I'm asking for these things. Where, like, and they're like, you, you things, why aren't you doing them? And so when I read this, with boldness, we ask and we receive from God. I was like, Ugh, that doesn't, I don't know. Anyone ever like just feel that way? So here's a little like fun thing. When you read God's word and you don't really feel it or it prods you, that's a good place to stop. And you need to read it again. And you need to sit with it again. And you need to stay there until you work out. Because that prod was a real thing. I had to be like, God, why am I angry? Is it because I'm not like, am, am I not asking the right thing? Like, I think that way sometimes. Did I not ask for my mom to be healed in the right way? And so she wasn't healed and she died? Like, am I, am I, am I doing this wrong? I always jump to that. Uh, or like, do you just not really care? Some of us, we spiraled down that way. We spiraled down that way. And as I was sitting in it this week on Monday, the word from started getting bolder and bolder and bolder and bolder. And so I just want to read this again. It's up here. And we receive from him. Could you put that, Brandon, for them? Can you, and we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. We receive from him. And now the reason from him came up is... I just felt like God said, Greg, you know me. And what you're asking for, if it's from me, you need to take into account who I am again. Because from me, things are never as they seem. From me, like the unseen is just as powerful, if not more powerful than the seen. From me, it's not always as it seems. It's getting worse because I'm working. It's getting worse because from me, good things are happening. And so from me, I mean, things hardly ever happen in the same way twice, right? Like, think about it. Throughout Scripture, God redeems Israel, and it's, it's hardly ever the same way. But you're like, God, I'm asking you to do that. Well, if you want me to deliver you, it's not, you're, you're looking for that. From me, it might look differently now. Because this time's a little different. From him, like, time is irrelevant. From him, nothing else has to happen first in order for it to happen. Like, it's just faith. Like, from him, if I really believed from him, then my, my prayers would be big. I would wait on them, 
and I would trust. Like, that's how I live as truth. I, I, I ask big things, and I remember that from him, that it matters not the method, because it's from him. And he's a good, good father, right? He's good. If it's from him, then it'll be different. And so this is how I actively, right? I inter- interact with his word. I respond with boldness to him. I ask him bold things. I, I do what he says. And then I, I believe that from him it will come. And then this is when our homework will hit home. Uh, chapter 4 happens. And he says this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Now, pause. I've highlighted the word spirit because some of you are a little to the point where you don't really want to believe that there is spiritual things happening. Some of you like the idea of fallen angels or demons is a little bit like outside of your grasp. Um, So I get it. One day we'll get there where you will believe that 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 there is uh, evil in this world and it's not people. Like it's... it's, the enemy is not found um, with flesh and blood. The enemy is a spirit. And there's many evil spirits. But anyways, you don't like that, so it's okay. Uh, some of you are struggling. It's a little uncomfortable. That's cool. Uh, Do you know the word spirit means is the word pneuma? Uh, that's a fun word. The word pneuma has many words or meanings. Uh, a few of them are like attitude, way of thinking is pneuma, a disposition, And so for the sake of you who are struggling to believe that a demon, that demons are all around, which they are, can you attach to demons our ways of thinking, spirit, way of thinking. Attached to demonic things are attitudes. The word spirit means attitude. So I'm going to like read this again, but I'm going to give you some fun words of what spirit means too to help you be with me. Are you ready? Beloved, do not believe every attitude that you have, because if you live in truth, then that attitude might be leading you to do something else. Do not believe with every, like, way of thinking that is presented to you, but test those ways of thinking. Test those dispositions. Test those attitudes. Test that spirit to see if it is from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by this, you know the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, that every attitude that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every disposition, every way of thinking that confesses Jesus is how we live. But every attitude, every way of thinking, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. In other words, it means, uh, oh, it continues. That's actually the attitude, the spirit of the Antichrist. Whoa, Greg, we're getting into this, like, what? Antichrist. Which he says, um, you've heard that it's coming, and it's already here in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist. So um, what I mean, uh, when it says, if the spirit doesn't confess that Jesus is the Lord, the word confess means if the spirit doesn't even acknowledge Jesus. It doesn't even say Jesus is Lord. Just They're not even acknowledging Jesus. The word confess means they're not even taking into account, which, like, I'm going to make this very simple because some of you, like, you don't like this idea of spiritual warfare happening. But if your thought as you plan today is not even taking into account Jesus, then it's a spirit that you don't need to deal with. If your plan 
is not taking into account Jesus, and that's an attitude that is of the Antichrist. If you're, like, I mean, does that make sense? Like, if we live his truth, then every attitude is going to consider, it's going to take into account Jesus, him being here, him being the king, him being my everything, and then I will follow suit. And so if you hear something on TV, and it's not taking into account the possibility of Jesus, then it's from a different attitude than God. Like, can we just be honest? Like, the world cannot think through the variable of God. Like, God gets dropped into the equation, and boom, it blows up. Like, it doesn't, if it doesn't take into account God, then it's from the spirit of the Antichrist. And so I'm going to always take into account God. What I fill my mind with, it's going to be taking into account Jesus. What I spend my time with, what I focus my desires on, because if I'm going to live his truth as a man, then I'm going to need to see him in all things. Because he is in all things, through all things, Paul says to the Colossian church, right? He was at the beginning. In him, everything is held together. And so the Antichrist says, beginning, there, held, it happened, and has nothing with Jesus. This is how you can be held together in, with, for, and it describes all of this stuff, but void of Jesus, that's a different attitude. And we have that presented to us all the time, but I will live his truth. So I'm there. Whew, I just finished. Okay. I wrecked, I got wrecked with this. So what's going to happen this week is uh, five days, we are going to be fasting as a church. Some of you, it's going to be social media, and so you're like, how do I get the devotions? Just be like, hey, uh, God, is it okay if I log on at, you know, 8 a.m., read the devotion, and then get off? You know, what? but some of you, you need to fast something. All of us need to fast something, maybe multiple things. What has been filling my mind with things, attitudes that are not taking into account you? What has been filling my time, my schedule, my desires with attitudes, ways of thinking, spirits that are not taking into account you because I want to live your truth? And so, honestly, if you're taking notes this morning, if you have a phone, I encourage you, the band's about to start up, don't start singing until you've claimed what that thing is, okay? I want, I want Gabby to be singing for a long time by herself if, if none of you are going to make this happen, all right? Like, like she's going to be singing by herself, but when you start singing, it's like, hey, I've joined in the fast. Does that make sense? Like, I'm, ver- I'm verbally beginning. Like, I've, I've claimed the thing, and now I'm going to sing with you, Gabby. And Gabby's like, yes, I got more people. <laughs> but I don't want us to do this alone. Like, right? And so what is the thing that you need to fast from? God, I pray right now that you give us clarity. Some of us have nothing coming to mind. Honestly, it might be because um, our hearts have been so hardened by so much. So God, right now, like with my hands open, like what is the thing, what is the thing that has been filling my mind with wrong attitudes, with wrong ways of thinking, that I could take five days with a reset? Maybe it needs to be just I'm done with it forever, but honestly, a lot of the things aren't bad that I do. I'm just doing them with the wrong perception. And so I want to fast so I can hear you. So God, what is it? 
when we claim it, God, I pray that we have confidence in it. And I pray that you um, are seen through it. Pray that our church grows in it. I don't want to be a churchgoer. I want to be a follower. Churchgoers don't do anything. <laughs> Followers of Jesus make disciples. And so, God, as I live my truth, as I, as I live your truth, gosh, <laughs> I pray that I don't live my opinions, my ways, my wants. You give me what I need to fast. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.